place that I, I want everything God says I could have. <laughs> and it's, 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 it almost comes off as arrogant at times when you start seeing what God says about us and, and understanding that there's so much more than we can actually understand in our own. It, it surpasses our understanding. In Ephesians, it says his love, we can't know with his love. It says it surpasses our understanding. Peace that surpasses our understanding. So why is it that these words are spoken? Because it's, it's something that we can't grasp in the natural, in our flesh. It's something that we have to, to have in, in the spirit, in the mind of Christ. That's why we have to walk in the mind of Christ. And um, it's just so awesome to see what God is doing in our lives and and, and being able to tap into the fullness of who he is. Today I want to talk a little bit about what would Jesus think. We're on this um, series of how the battles, how to, how to break free from the battles in our mind, how to step into what God says, how we should think. And he's given us, literally given us a manual. He's given us step by step how to live as Christians. So, I, I, you know, we say those things I know as, as moms. I say this, I wish the baby came with a manual so we would know what to do. But the truth is we do come with manuals. God has given us absolutely everything we need and equipped us with absolutely everything we need to walk our Christian walk. He's actually given us the power to be able to do everything and anything that he's purposed us to do. So I think it's, it's, it's not more about, I don't know what to do next, or this is so hard. It's more about coming into a relationship more and more with Jesus so that we can listen, so that we could understand what he has for our life and through the word of God. Many of us say, well, I don't hear from God. I, don't, I, I, I just don't know how to hear his voice when they re read your word because the word will be, it, it becomes life. And it begins to speak to you. And that's why we can read the same verses over and over again and, and get this fresh revelation every time, asking the Holy Spirit. So what would Jesus think? In 1 Corinthians 2.16, we're going to read this together. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's 316. Actually, that's good, but that's not what I wanted to read. <laughs> I wanted to read 216, but that's good. <laughs> that's actually really good because um, I could probably piggyback off of that too, but let's read 216. It all comes together. It's so amazing, the word of God. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So, I mean, if, if we take that a little deeper to go to 316, what a powerful revelation right there. So he's saying that we have the mind of the Lord so that he may instruct us. And then if you take it a little further, you have Paul now speaking about you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Lord. 
And I love that. I, if you've ever heard me say that, I love saying that, that the creator of the universe lives inside of me. Because when you, when you begin to understand that the creator of the universe lives inside of you, that does something to you. Because that's a revelation that you got to grasp. Now we're saying you, you become saved. Your spirit, what happens? Your spirit becomes safe. God breathes life into us once again when you receive Jesus into your heart. So just as the beginning was the first Adam, and we know that first Adam sinned, so God had to send the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, and he had to be pure. He, couldn't, he had to be born of a virgin, because if he would have been born of man, he would have came from Adam, from the seed of Adam. So he had to be born of a virgin. That means it was a conception from heaven. And that means he was born pure, sinless. He wasn't connected to any of the seed of sin. So now, when we receive Jesus, once again, we have that opportunity to the first plan of God, the original plan of God, that we are made perfect in Christ. So that's what you do. You receive, when you receive the second Adam, Jesus Christ, you, you receive a sinless seed that washes you so now we can be again in relationship with the Father. Because we couldn't be in relationship with the Father because we were born into our mother's iniquity, our mother's sin. Psalms 54 talks about you're, you're born into your mother's iniquities, your mother's sins. So that means it, it goes from the forefathers back to the sin of Adam. And that's why it is so important for us to receive Jesus Christ by faith into our hearts. And now that seed becomes planted and it, it breathes life into us once again. The Bible in Genesis talks about when, G, when God, he breathed life into Adam when he created him and he came to life. So that was the perfect seed of Christ, Adam. He breathed his life. He made him in his likeness, in his image, holy. That's the image of God, holy, in his perfect likeness, his perfect image. And then when we receive Jesus, what happens? Once again, our spirit comes to life, that perfect life. It's like, made brand new again. But what happens? Now there has to be a renewing of your mind because your flesh is still alive. Your mind is still at work. And if you got saved when you were 25, you've had all these mindsets. You've had all these teachings. You've, you've done things according to the sins and the cultures and, the, and, and all these different things. And if you were raised and born into religion, then you've done things according to the traditions of religion. And all these things have been what's been taught to you. That's what you've been exposed to. So a lot of times when people teach us something, we don't, we don't question our pastors. We don't question our bishops. They tell us to do stuff, and we're just like, okay. How, I, I love the teacher I had. I used to tell, he used to ask me a question. I would tell him the answer. He's like, who told you that? I'm like, my pastor? He was like, did you read that? I'm like, no. He's like, so you just took the word of your, you, you have to study your word. The, the whole point of that, we give you verses when we preach and when we teach is so that you can look it up. So that you can get this revelation and this knowledge because that's where you eat the meat. And sometimes you got you to gotta spit out the bones. Some, and not everything you hear is exactly 
a lot of times they were taught that. And because they were taught that, they're teaching you that. And the other person taught them that. Someone told me a story about the ham. I love this story. The girl comes to the house and she says, she says to her mom, why do you cut the sides off the ham? She says, because my mother always did it like that. So why, you don't know why we cut the sides of the ham before we cook it? No, my mother just did it like that. So she went and asked her grandmother, Grandma, why do you cut the sides off the ham before you cook it? She's like, I don't know, because my mother used to do it like that. The other grandma's not around no more, so there's nobody else to ask. Just do it the way we do it. So she goes and she starts studying and investigating. It turns out that you shouldn't cut off the sides of the ham because the juices stay inside. And the reason why the ham is so hard at the ends is because if you cook it like that, it keeps the juices inside so it won't be dry. So all these years, she's like, I'm not cutting off the sides of the ham no more <laughs> because that's, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it and the way I think it works. But what I'm trying to tell you is a lot of times we don't even know why we do things the way we do it. We don't even know why we think the way we think. Somebody told us that. Somebody taught us that. And we learned that. So that's why it's so important to be in the word of God, to be led by the spirit, to be able to think the mind of Christ. It's good to have teachers to tell you when they come to you, a lot of times people come ask you, I don't know, what do you think? Did you read about that? Because you have the mind of Christ just like me. So you can ask the Holy Spirit. This is important for us to know that the creator of the universe lives inside of us. So we have to, we have to tap into that sometimes. Jesus didn't have a passive mind. And we need to understand that because if we want to say, okay, I have the mind of Christ, what would Jesus think? And the only way to know Jesus is to spend time and be in relationship with him and to know him. And I'm not talking about to read about him. I'm talking about to be with him. When I first got saved, I loved Benny Hinn. I listened to probably every sermon Benny Hinn ever preached. <laughs> I mean, I was crazy. I mean, and then I went into Catherine Kuhlman, studied all of Catherine Kuhlman's life. I could tell you their testimonies. I could tell you everything about the revivalists back then. And, but what good does that do me? I don't have a relationship with Benny Hinn. I really don't know him. I just know about him. I can show up to his house. Maybe he's a mean man. I don't know. He shouldn't be. I don't think so. But what if he is? I don't know him. I don't know his character. I just know about him. And many of us have learned about Jesus since we were little. Many of us have been taught things since we were little. But we don't have a relationship. And that's why when people get discipled and they sit in the office and we give them these basic principles, it's like, do you believe you're saved? I don't know. You know, you've been going to church for 25 years with your mother. You don't know if you're saved or not? Because you've just been told about Christ, but you never had an experience with him. You never had a relationship with him. So it doesn't matter how long you've learned about Christ. It's how long have you known Christ. So we have to figure out how is it that Jesus thinks. And the only way to figure that out when you get married and you're in a, in a relationship, you know all about That's why it's so easy to say your vows on wedding day to sick, to sick the, 
we're going to be married forever through sickness and in health, to death do us part. No one ever told you that when that person gets sick, they're evil. When your husband gets sick, all he does is cry and whine. No, no one told you those things. So you made this vow based on the person you thought you knew. But now you're really in a relationship with that person. And you already made a vow. You're going to be with them forever. So that's why when you get saved, you made a vow. You made a commitment to be like Christ, to think like Christ. So now I made a covenant, a blood covenant. That means I'm forever with Christ. So my job isn't to try to, whether I'm going to stay a Christian or not a Christian, my, my job is to get to know my partner better, to get to understand and know him better. He knows everything about me. Now I need to think like, he says I have his mind, but how does he think? You become it together. So Jesus would choose his thoughts carefully. And we know this. Because you need to understand, empty space is a place. It's a place. So if you're not thinking nothing, you're thinking something. Something's filling your imagination. So Ephesians 4.27, it says not to give a place for the devil. And let's read that. Someone got to say amen. Go ahead, read it. Read it loud. Mm hmm. Ephesians four twenty seven. So let's 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 go a little back there. Ephesians four twenty five. Let's start there. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And then here comes, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And that verse is very important right there. Don't give place to the devil. So. Why is he saying don't go to sleep angry? Because there's empty space. You're sleeping. Don't give space to the devil. That's why that's so important in relationships. It's so important in marriages. It's so important with our children. Not to, not to send your kids to sleep angry. We have to find a don't give space to the devil. We cannot just leave things open. Oh, I'll, I'll take care of that later. Oh, you made me real mad right now, but we'll talk about that later. And now that sits inside of you, your thoughts. Now you go home with it. You're, you're, you're dwelling on it. You're giving space to the devil. Before you know it, two days later, that already rooted. And now you see them again on Sunday. It's like, hey, they're like, nothing ever happened. Hey, what's up? How are you? What happened to her? 
I don't know. We were supposed to discuss it last week because I guess you did something. And I got offended, but we never talked about it. So we later take root, and now I don't want to talk to you. Now I don't want to look at you. And maybe it was just a misunderstanding. But you gave space for thoughts to grow. How dare she? Or maybe you even did something even greater and went and shared it with someone else. So now you're, you're, you're creating root systems. So now someone else is upset at that person too. How could she? How could he do that? So not only did you not fix it, you're spreading the venom and the poison so other people could be offended because you think you're right. Because you're not thinking like Jesus. Jesus wasn't passive. He didn't allow his thoughts to just roam, however. You, didn't hear, you never hear in the Bible him going back to the apostles and saying, do you believe what they just did to me? <laughs> Do you ever hear Jesus having these conversations with the disciples? They, were, they didn't bring no life. They had no purpose. Why would they speak about things that happened? He was on a mission. There was a vision and a mission that needed to be fulfilled. He had a time period. You have time here on earth. There's a period of time to fulfill a purpose. You were created to fulfill a purpose on the earth. So you're never too old. You're never too young. You are here, and as long as you're still breathing, there's a purpose for you to fulfill. So your mind has to be steadfast on where the spirit is leading you, where the mind is leading you. So that's why the devil causes these distractions. Offenses are a distraction that clog up your voice with God. I always say it, it's, it's, it's like a drain that has a little hair. Now you got a little more offended, you got a little more hair. Before you know it, there's no flow. There's a backup. And even if something does go down, what happens? It goes down really slow and leaves a lot of residue. It's not good. We cannot allow ourselves, that's a whole other teaching, to be offended. Offense will destroy your mind from hearing from God. And that's why the devil always is trying to get you offended. And that's why us as Christians, we got, remember, we could offend people as well. So a lot of Christians, oh, no, I don't get offended, I don't get, but you offend everybody. So you're just as bad. Because you're the offenser. That's why you don't get offended, because you're too busy offending everybody. The Bible says in Timothy that we should not be quarreling and debating and, and going back and forth. If one wants to eat broccoli, let him eat broccoli. If you want to eat chicken, you eat chicken. Who cares? We're all here for one purpose. Oh, but I got to speak the truth. No, you don't have to speak the truth if it's going to create. The Bible says that the Lord leads us. He leads us in all truth. So we walk in the spirit, and the truth is exposed. Lies are exposed through our life, through our speech. And that is our job, to watch our mind and our thoughts. Because before you know it, we have evil thoughts on a good debate. 
So you're quarreling to bring truth, but it ends up evil. It ends up evil. So evil things could easily fill empty space. Let's read Matthew 12, 43. Matthew 12, 43 says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with the wicked generation. So this, this, is, this is powerful. This is why we need to understand that we're not called to be empty space. Our mind has to be filled with the word of God. Our life has to be filled with the word of God. When we received Jesus, what happened? We came to life. We emptied out the garbage. And now we're made clean. We're made whole. So our mind now has to live according to that. Because if not, if we begin to fill our minds with the things that we once thought, with the ways we once lived, we're occupying an empty space with something that became empty. Jesus cleaned you so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that you could be filled with the Word of God, so that you could be filled with joy, peace, fruitfulness. But if we think the way we thought, we live the way we thought, we behave the way we thought, we respond the way we responded. We do not believe in one saved, always saved here. That's not our doctrine. Salvation is a gift, and you don't have to earn it. But the Bible says that to be a son of God, you have to follow him. You have to give up your life. You have to die to yourself, and you need to follow him. Perfection is not what he's looking for. He's looking for a yielded life. So it's not that you have to become perfect and all oh, that person's been saved for 30. No, God works with us according. Thank God he don't work with everything at one time in our life. But he, he's waiting for us to yield. And it starts, it starts here in our mind. Being able to say no. The quicker we say no to the flesh, the more our spirit gets stronger. And before you know it, your spirit, man, is stronger than your flesh. When you say some, no to something a certain amount of times, after a while, it no longer has control of you. Things only control you because they've controlled you for so long. So it's hard to say no that, that moment. I was sharing with, with Katie my story on, on cigarettes and how addicted I was and how hard. It was like one of the hardest things I had to go through. But once I got free from that, now I don't struggle with that no more. I stopped smoking. I hate the smell of cigarettes, and I, I don't get the cravings for cigarettes. 
I was free from that. And he who the son sets free is free indeed. So even, I, I, don't even, I don't struggle with that, but I've heard people who 20 years later, they say they've had thoughts of smoking and they, they get this. But that's a thought. That's not that you struggle with nicotine. It's a thought. So what do you do with thoughts? You pull them down. Like, devil, you are a lie. <laughs> Where you come from with that? I haven't smoked in 20 years. You, you pull it down with the word of God. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't have to think about that. You once struggled with lust. Your mind wandered. The sun set you free from that. Does it mean that you're never going to have a thought again, that you're never going to see a man or woman or whatever the struggle was and get a thought? You'll get the thought, but you'll pull it down. That's not who I am no more. I'm not thinking like that. I'm going to turn away. We don't, we don't give it space to grow because we have to pull it down with the word of God. So be disciplined. First Peter talks about being disciplined. First Peter 5.8. Be disciplined, serious, and cautious because the devil is looking for someone to devour. It says he's roaming to see who he could devour. But I love the story of Job. The devil's roaring, looking who he could devour, couldn't touch Job. Why? Because Job had a hedge of protection around him. He had to ask permission. And when God allowed him to touch Job, God knew that he had equipped Job to handle anything that was going to be done to him. Because God doesn't give you more than you can handle. He's not going to put you in a place where he knows that you, there's no escape. He's equipped you for everything. And we're going to preach a little more on this on Sunday. So don't be passive. Don't be lazy. Don't just wish you could have the mind of Christ. You do have the mind of Christ. Activate it. We don't activate it because we're passive. I was raised a young Christian. Church was, you know, you just rebuke everything that walked and lived, and everybody was under attack. It just was the way everybody was. How are you? I'm under attack. Everybody's under attack. How was your week? Ay, Dios mío, under attack. All week, the devil's been attacking me. I'm like, just passive, weak Christians. Like, seriously? You got the creator of the universe inside of you. The Bible says that once you get saved, that you stomp on the devil. He's under your feet. So he's under my feet. How's he attacking me all day? My job is to walk in the authority I live in Christ. Yes, he's wandering. Yes, he's doing things. But I give him orders because I can't just live a passive life and let Satan run amok in my house, run amok in my life, run amok in our church. Call it out. Speak it. Tell it to stop. And I don't need a rebuke all day. I tell you once, don't come back here. And it's over. We have to be, we have to walk in the authority because we have the mind of Christ. Walk like Jesus walked. Jesus didn't, he wasn't under attack all day. And when he was, he spoke the word of God. He spoke it. We are not weak Christians. We are powerful. 
We have the mind of Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. So if you're being defeated, there's something not in order that we have to say, okay, Christ, what would you think? And begin to speak it. Begin to, to, to just speak it into the atmosphere. I'm telling you, it is so important. We have to, these end times, if Christians aren't thinking with the mind of Christ, and there's some people, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, they don't want to think with the mind of Christ. They've, they're okay thinking the way they think. Where the mind goes, the man follows. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so does he become. If you believe you're weak, you're weak. If you believe you're broke, you're broke. If you believe this is who I am right now, but I know who I am in Christ, so I am a masterpiece. Being, I'm being molded into the image of who I was created to be. So I'm in the cycle of molding right now. What's going on, brother? In the cycle of molding. I'm not sure what's happening, but something's happening, but I know I'm becoming great. I'm in the process. Instead of how are I'm sick. I'm in the process of my complete healing because healing was released inside of me already. I just haven't seen the fullness of it yet. But it's in me, and I'm not settling for the rest of my life to be sick. And I'm going to begin to confess that. And I'm going to begin to confess that because the mind of Christ says that I am the healed of the Lord, that by his stripes I am healed, that he died for my sicknesses and my infirmities. So that means I don't see it in the natural, but I know what God said. But we have to begin to confess this like Jesus did. Jesus spoke the word. Do you want Satan's? plan for your life or God's plan so if we speak Satan's plan it's going to continue to be the plan for your life so we have to change our, our 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 confessions and that's not easy that's probably one of the hardest things of our walks because we're used to how we talk we're used to how our mothers talk we're used to how our grandmas talk we're used to that oh that's just the way Puerto Ricans are they're all loud well you don't have to be loud everywhere you go you can lower your voice and you can have self-control because the spirit of the living God lives inside of you now. So no, you don't have to yell when you speak everywhere you go. It's quiet in this room. Stop screaming. But that's just the way I talk. I know. But now we have self-control. So sometimes we get off course because that's how we've spoken for so long and that's all we've heard. But sometimes we got to bring it back a notch because God's taking me to places that you can't even imagine. And you have to start thinking, how are you going to behave? Well, this is just the way I act. When I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I just run around the church. I bang my head here. I throw myself there, and I have all these things. And that's what I do when the Holy Spirit takes over me and possesses me. That's a lie. The Holy Spirit does not possess you to bang your head everywhere. and to, to, to do, where, How can you worship with other people? You were called to go to the nations. If you do that where God wants to take you, you're never going to be able to be used in the world. 
That's a culture thing. That's a one culture thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's a culture thing. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and doesn't possess anybody. His power is right here. We access it. He doesn't possess us and for us not to remember what we did last night at church. It doesn't work that way. And I don't know, and, and that's what I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm saying that we have to get past the one way or nowhere if we want to do all the things God has called us to do. He's called us around the world. He's called us to sit in front of kings and queens. He's called us to do great and mighty things. But you can't be quiet. You can't do things like this. You can't do things like that. Oh, I will never go to that church because they don't wear pants. So that's it. Your, your conditions are your conditions. How about we submit? to do things because God has called us to different places. If you want me to go speak at your church and not wear pants and take off my earrings, I'll take it off. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to make the spirit of the living God known everywhere I go. I'll do it the way you want me to do it if I have to. I just want to think like Christ, and Christ is not worried about none of that stuff. He wants me to bring the truth. So I, I'm, not, I'm not against anyone's cultures and traditions. But remember that you have to think like Christ if you want to be like Christ. And Christ was able to go anywhere. He wasn't accepted everywhere, but he was able to do everything the Father wanted him to do. Everywhere he went. In different cultures, different places. He walked in the Spirit. He did what the Father told him to do. How can two walk together except they agree? Amos 3, 3 says. We spend more time debating against each other. I mean, it's, 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 it, honestly, I, it's so, it brings me so much sadness. I, I, right now, and all you're hearing on, on Facebook is, is, is the church, is Christians arguing about, about um, Kanye West getting saved. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Arguments, fights while the world is dying and we're fighting each other. I love the way T.D. Jake says it. He says, you never see a witch fighting a witch. You never see demons fighting demons. But every church is fighting each other. And until we come in agreement together, we're not going to see one of the greatest moves of God. And I really believe it is happening. There's more churches united than we think. There's more people coming together in Christ than we think. All over the world, it's happening. There's big thousands and thousands of people that connect from all denominations to worship Jesus Christ. So it is happening. Don't be fooled that the devil is only doing his thing. So we have to understand that we have to learn how to come together. And the mind of Christ is about us loving one another, about us loving one another. So we have to come to a place to understand what is it, how is it that I'm thinking? What is it that I'm surrounding myself with? God loves us unconditionally. 
And we have to grasp that. God's love is unconditional. And he does not want anyone to be lost. So come on, right there, that breaks off the lies of Satan that we, we, ha- we are called. That means the lowest of the lowest, the worst of the worst. God loves them. They're a child of God just like you. But until they come into the rightful place, they're a child of Satan. So our ultimate goal is to bring them into the perfection and the love of Christ. So God's will, God's way of thinking is that we love each other. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, it says his love is not based on our performance. So that's another thing we have to eliminate. Oh, but but they know you by your fruits. What are fruits? What are fruits? Fruits come when when you walk in the spirit. So many times we judge the world. They're not supposed to have fruit. (laughs) We live as Christians judging the world. The world is not supposed to have fruit. We are supposed to have fruit. We are supposed to be kind. We are supposed to love. We are supposed to be long-suffering. We are supposed to be faithful. So they're watching us, and it becomes a mirror effect. I mean, can someone look at you and say, man, I want to go to that girl's church. I don't know. There's something about her. I know her. It it, it, It gives you a picture that there's something happening because I know that person? Or do we look just like everyone else? I mean, we could, we could market this church. We could market Christianity. But really what we're called to do is market Jesus Christ, that we look like him. Because when we look like him, the Bible says that, that people are going to want to follow where the name of Jesus is lifted high, people are drawn to it. There's something different about your house than there used to be. There's something different. Maybe you're not all there yet, but something has changed. And maybe you don't notice it. A lot of times we don't even notice it, but other people do. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to see the Lord begin to move in your life. So you have gifts, you have talents, you have ability. Romans 12 talks about your gifts, your talents, your abilities. Everything that you need for this life, God has given you already. It's in you. It's inside of you. It's just asleep. So the spirit is the one that wakes it up. The more you walk in the spirit, the more you begin to, it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. I mean, amazed by things. Oh, pastor, what you said changed my life forever. Come on. I can't change anybody's life forever. (laughs) You know me? (laughs) It's the spirit of God inside of you that begins, your words begin to have power. I don't even know how to pronounce things right half the times. It's not me. It's the spirit, the power of God. And that's how you know. Oh, when you hugged me, I don't know what happened. Everything changed. I've been so miserable and depressed, and you hugged me, and it just went away. Okay, thank you, Jesus. 
It's Jesus. And Jesus begins to continue to show you that he's with you. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep Keep dwelling in me, being in me, and I'm going to be in you, and we're going to be together, and we're going to change the world together, and I'm going to play you as my instrument everywhere I go. Just be willing and ready and obedient. We are powerless without God, and we need to understand that. And that's why we give up so easily. That's why people in the world are, are not finishers. Because we start things and we can't finish because we don't have the power and the abilities to finish what we start. But in Christ, you can. You have the mind of Christ, and it has to be full of faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That was the verse that set me free from fear. And I'm telling you, if anybody was afraid, it was me. I lived in so much fear. My mind was, was just in condition of fear all the time. I mean, I would hold my breath at night because I thought someone was going to hear me breathe. There was no one there. And I was so afraid. Fear had taken over my mind to hear things that weren't real, to see things that weren't there. And that fear didn't allow me to move from one place to another. Because when you're afraid, you're bound. But God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind. That means my mind is sound. It's not wandering. It's not hearing voices. It's not seeing things. Oh, but the devil said, the, the doctor said that I have um, all these sicknesses and they've diagnosed me with all this. The devil is a liar. You have the mind of Christ. How many of us are willing to say that? No matter the cost. No matter what's going to happen, I have the mind of Christ. Our thoughts have to line up with what God says before it really happens. Our mouth has to line up with what God says before we really see it. So we're just saying it. Some of us just want a miracle. God's going to heal me one day. How? Everywhere you go, you say you're sick. Everywhere you go, you say you're crazy. Everywhere you go, you say you're mental. Everywhere you go, you say you have pain. Everywhere you go... You say you're never going to be healed. God can use your mouth and your faith. And even if you may not even see it in this lifetime, but I will confess the word of God because that's what the Bible tells me to do. And I'm going to hope. Faith is what you hope for that you have not seen. So what Satan wants to do is steal your hope. Because when you have no hope, you have no faith. So your mind has to be steadfast on hoping for what you do not have yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm hoping and I'm believing. And my faith has made up its mind that I'm going to see it. Fear is faith in what the devil says to you and shows you. We have to believe in what God says. We can't believe what the devil says. He's a liar. He said you're not going to make it. He said you can't do it. But my God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
My God says that I have made it already because I'm victorious in him. Victory is mine. It has nothing to do with what I have and what I don't have. I'm free in Christ. So understanding this, it allows us to be set free from bondage. We only become, it, it don't matter what it looks like. It's what he said. It's me thinking your mind has to line up with the word of God. There's no way this marriage is going to make it. I remember, I remember sitting, I, I, sitting, I was on my knees crying, and I, I remember this prayer like it was yesterday. I said, God, there's no way I can love this man again. Unless, <laughs> listen to the second part, unless you perform a miracle. And I know you can do anything, but as of right now, there's no way I can ever love this man again. And that was my conversation with God. And I remember a week later, again on my knees crying, I said, God, just show me. Show me either you get rid of him or heal him. Or I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to heal me, heal him, or get rid of him forever. These are my prayers. These are my conversations with God. And I remember hearing the, the voice of the Lord one night. And he said, I release you. And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's all I wanted, a release from God, and I'm out of here. <laughs> we don't got to fix this no more. We're not going to do this no more. Or if you stay, greater is going to be your reward. It's like, oh, man, really, God? <laughs> Regardless, I'm going to be with you to the end of time. But if you stay, greater is your reward. So what happened after that? For the next couple of years, I felt like things got worse. But my mind stayed on the word of God. When I wanted to give up, I began to think, but if I stay, greater is my reward. But wait, it's looking worse now. But if I stay, greater is my reward. The word of God is what sustains you. Because trials and tribulations are going to come. So that's why you need a word from God. You have a calling on your life. I'm called. That means that no matter what happens, I know that I'm called by God. So the word of God is what sustains you. That even when you're in the wilderness, even when you're in the lowest valley, the word of God brings life. But if I stay... Great is my reward. And that held me. It held me for years. I wasn't crying to God anymore on what to do because I knew what I had to do. I could leave right now, but if I stay, great is my reward. So I wasn't going to be punished if I left. God made it clear I'll be okay. But if you stay, great is your reward. So we have to get a word from God. The word of God says that don't get weary in doing good because in due time, you will see the harvest. But I'm so tired, God. I can't do this no more. But don't get weary in doing good because in due time, you'll see the harvest. If you don't give up is the end of the verse. You see how God speaks to us? If, but... <laughs> 
So don't get weary in doing good. Because in due time, you'll see the harvest if you don't give up. So if you give up, you forfeit it, your promise. It doesn't mean you're going to rot and go to hell. You'll probably still be saved and go to heaven. You're just not going to do ministry no more. I'm not saying you're going to go back to being a child of the devil. <laughs> but you forfeit it, your reward, here. Because in due time, you will see your harvest if you don't give up. So don't give up. Keep on going. God has given us everything we need. We need to understand this. Jeremiah 4.14, how long shall you grossly offense the thoughts within you? Wash your heart from the wickedness and understand that you've been saved. Come on. We can walk around for the rest of our life being defeated Christians. It's really our choice. People do it all the time. It don't mean they're not going to heaven. I'm not saying people are not going to go to heaven and they're not going to be saved. But I am saying that they're not going to live the abundant life here on earth. The Bible says that we are to live heaven on earth. That means that everything he promised you, you're going to live it. You're going to see it. And if you don't see it, your children will see it or your children's children will see it. But someone's going to see it. Someone's seeing Abraham's promises. But he couldn't give up. So everyone has equal opportunity with God, but not everyone is willing to do their part. That's why Matthew 26 says, many are called, but few are chosen. Every, every one of us has, has the opportunity. Jo Joshua 1 says, God gave Joshua something to do. He said, go and take what I have given you. He didn't say, sit there and wait. I'm going to bring you all your rewards. He said, go. And then when he went, he had to go defeat all these giants. He had to, he, I've given you everything here, now go and take it. That's what God's done with us. I'm giving you a new life. I'm giving you power and authority. Now go and do life. And live it abundantly. And go and win souls and disciple people. Go everywhere you go and make disciples. Tell them what you've learned. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them what, show them what you got. <laughs> because you have the mind of Christ to do what, well, what do I do, God? I don't know what to do. Ask him. Go in Walmart. Every time you go in Walmart, and say, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to talk to? Oh, but I'm going to look stupid. Really? You no longer live. Christ lives in you. So who cares how you look? It's not about you anymore. And God will guide you to do things according to his ways and his plans. And when you, you do it, I mean, you look stupid when you do it your way. When you walk in Walmart, and you start acting all weird in Walmart, then that's you. And that's your weirdness. But you don't have to do it like that. You could speak and do things according to Christ, and he'll lead you. He'll show you. He'll give you words. Sometimes it's just like, I just wanted to tell you today how beautiful you look. Something about you is glowing. You're so pretty. Forever changed. That person's dealing with insecurity. You just gave them a, a word of life. You release life because you allowed your mind to get off yourself and do what Christ told you to do. I didn't have to be weird. I said, God, thus says the Lord that you're beautiful. I didn't say that. 
Didn't do none of that. So, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? Tell that woman she's beautiful. Excuse me, lady. Just want to tell you, you're so beautiful. <gasps> I've had people start sobbing because it's the spirit of the Lord. That's it. And then that opens up a door if you want to let the Lord move from there. Sometimes that's all you needed to do. That's all they needed. They didn't need nothing else from you. God, will, God moves when we allow him. We think like Christ. We live like Christ. We act like Christ. And he moves. So we can't be complainers. That's key. I'm telling you, we're working on that. We got to work on that. Our minds have to be set, set on the things of God, on the, on the things of Christ. We have to be thankful. That's hard. There's so much to complain about. There's so much to be thankful about. So turn it around. Turn it around. Make a decision that you're not going to be a complainer. Make a decision that your mind is not going to be set on complaining. And some of us come from families of complainers. Some of us come from family of warriors. We were, we were like, raised that way. I was raised to worry about everything. It's just what we did. My grandma called me every morning and told me something to worry about. And then she saw on the news. It, it was just, it was the way we were raised. It was, it was the, the culture. But that's not what Christ said. Christ said not to worry about anything. And now I have the mind of Christ. So I love you, Grandma, but I'm not thinking like you no more. I'm going to think like Christ. I love you, Pa, but I'm not going to do things like you used to do them. Because I, I want to think like Christ. And now all of us are coming into alignment with the word of God. And we correct each other. Hey, you're complaining again. <laughs> so we're going to close out on that. I, we could keep on on this. I'm gonna, we're going to talk next week about just the, the fruit and, and allowing our minds to, to come into alignment with the fruit of God and not to have wrong thinking. That there's so many wrong thinking patterns. It's not my fault. That's, that's probably one of the, those thinking patterns that, that we just get. To, it's not my fault I act like this. It's not my fault I'm mean. You don't know what happened to me. It's not my fault. That's just the way I am. And it's, it's just such a bad thing. And, and we, we can't. Remember, blame started at the garden. It's, it's not the ways of Christ. Christ. 